welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Good morning, uh, family of God. I am thankful again and excited to be with you today. Uh, today we are, um, I know we're dealing with a storm around the region and around the country. And in light of dealing with uh, that storm and dealing with what we're dealing with around the country, um, I want us to have a relief fund for our friends in Houston. So we have a Houston relief tab on our website. So outside of your normal giving, will you just consider being generous and giving some money, whatever you can give, um, no amount too small to give to Houston Relief with people losing power, pipes bursting. And uh, particularly if you're in an older house, one of the things that happens is if you have copper piping, uh, your insurance doesn't cover it. And so people have a lot of significant damage. And they went through, you know, we did Katrina Relief a few years back. And so I want you all to, uh, I want us as a church to, to jump behind and um, and help our folks down there in Houston, Texas, and uh, Crossover will be one of the ministries that we invest in there. Um, I'm looking at another one in Dallas, but um, but mainly right now, Houston Relief, because it's really, really bad in Houston. So anyway, um, so I noticed, you know, you, you're noticing that I'm not in the Epiphany space. Well, it was pretty icy during the time that we would normally um, record, and so and for the, for the safety of all parties involved, uh, Epiphany, it got, got me uh, where um recording from here. So in light of that, um, last week, I know that you noticed that I veered away from the sermon series uh, that we were supposed to get back into, which I've never veered away from a book series as many times as this one. However, I, I feel strongly led to do a series right now on strongholds. Last week we started, the first message was on strongholds and I'll be talking about it in this one. The second one on strongholds, I want us to dive into it. Uh, let's turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 9 through 15. Deuteronomy chapter 15, I mean 18 verses 9 through 15. Here we go. It says, it reads thusly, it says, when you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not imitate, do not imitate the detestable customs of those nations. No one among you is to sacrifice his son or daughter in the fire. Practice divination, tell fortunes, interpret omens, practice sorcery, cast spells, consult a medium or spiritus, or inquire of the dead. Everyone who does this, these acts is detestable to the Lord, the Lord and the Lord, your God is driving out the nations before you before, uh, because of these detestable acts, you must be blameless before the Lord, your God, though these nations, you are about to drive out, listen to, uh, listen to fortune tellers and diviners, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do this. The Lord your God, 
will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You will listen to him. Um, I, I want to talk about in the time that we are together, breaking free from strongholds, overcoming the occult and spiritual bondage, overcoming the occult and spiritual bondage. Let's go before the Lord. Father God, we thank you. We honor you. We bless you. You are ours. We are yours. God, help us to rec recognize and reflect what being yours requires and demands. It demands absolute fidelity, fidelity to you. Anything outside of that is adultery. And Lord God, we want to, I'm just praying that people today would keep it all the way a buck with you, God, in their life where they're struggling and wrestling and help us to all see where these things apply to us. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust in Jesus name. Amen. Breaking free from strongholds, overcoming the occult and spiritual bondages. I don't know if you know it or not, um, but we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. <laughs> I don't know if you know it or not. Um, it may be something new that you learned today, but Ephesians 6 in my Bible says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. And as I think about that reality, I don't know if you know this, but long ago, years ago, um, I read a book and it was talking about the nature of a woman who was into the occult. And this woman that was in to the occult began to talk about, she kind of really went deep into um, different things that she was a part of. It, it's, um, it's a really, when I said deep book, you got to know the Lord when you read it because it's one of them books you read it like midnight, nobody home. You're going to feel weird about it, you know, but, um, but, 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 but she became a Christian. And when she became a believer, she began talking about basically what they do to people who are Christians in churches. And she was in a coven of 13 witches and warlocks, a coven, and they would do several things. They would, they would cast spells, curse, and, um, all types of ways in which they tried to wish and create harm on, listen, Christians and particularly Christian leaders, Christians and Christian leaders, they would, they, they would try to do whatever they can. And as a matter of fact, the, the one that was craziest to me that I heard that she said, well, she said they even put people to be planted in churches as if they are in tune, committed believers when all they are there to do is to weasel their way into the church and to cause division, destruction, and many, or some would seduce the leadership of the church in sexual manners and different things like that. And so when I look at even the falls that we're seeing in the church and in leadership today, I, I guarantee you that a lot of that is connected to spiritual warfare, connected to spiritual warfare, connected to those who are committing themselves to trying to cause destruction and havoc in the church. And because we don't have our selves in tune with the Lord to know that we, that's why we need gifts of prophecy in the church. <laughs> that's why we need discernment of spirits in the church. Uh, people say, what are spiritual gifts for? Stuff like that. We need stuff like that. We need words of wisdom, words of knowledge. When someone gets warned about something that's happening in their life, we need all of the works of the Spirit of God. We need the workings of miracles. We we need these things in the church. And so um, as, you know, this has been going on, and, and even, I, I, and I think it's funny, 
In the last few weeks, and particularly this week, has been inordinately heavy for my family and I with a ton of spiritual warfare. I mean, a lot of spiritual warfare um, to the point, and I'll talk about it later, to where my children can feel evil present. And um, I'm going to talk about some hopefully very practical things rooted in the scriptures surrounding these things. Um, but I don't know if you know that, but every sermon is pretty much a sermon on strongholds. It, it really, if you if you really think about it, every sermon is really about dealing with strongholds in some way, shape, or form. And so, uh, remember what our definition of a stronghold is. Our definition of a stronghold is it's a mindset, it's a value system, or a thought process that hinders your growth. It's a mindset, value system, thought process that hinders your growth. I could expand upon that a bit more. But um, in, in 2 Corinthians, remember, Paul talks about uh, for the weapons of our warfare are carnal, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We pull down every, we take every thought captive to obey Jesus Christ. And so remember, uh, a stronghold is a way of thinking that influences how we, how we view the world, how we view God, how we act, how we live, all those different things. That's the role of strongholds in our life, right? And so... Um, when we talk about strongholds, I like a couple of definitions I wanted to put up. And the guys are going to put this up on the screen. You know, um, one, one, uh, one uh, uh, Pastor McDonald says strongholds aren't merely things. Well, I say this. So strongholds aren't merely things that hold on to us, but are things that we hold on to. Pastor McDonald says his definition, I think, is very helpful as well. It's unleashed because y'all going through it. It says fortified patterns of thinking that are stubbornly resisted resistant to God's word and God's will for us. I like that. Let's say that again. Fortified patterns of thinking that are stubbornly resistant to God, God's word, and God's will for us. You know, when you look at strongholds, I like Dr. Evans, my spiritual father, has a has an F, a, 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 a excellent definition as well. Um, he talks about why strongholds are so dangerous for us. He has strongholds. And he states, a stronghold is a mindset that is viewed as unchangeable in our minds. Wow. Do you have anything in your life, family, that you're stuck in and stuck to, but you don't know and believe that you can actually come out of it? Some of you all are, are, are with somebody. You know, I, I know what it's like. Now, can I be real with the Christian people? You know what whooped mean, right? You know, you're in a relationship with someone where the where the inter, where the where the sexual situation is 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 flaming. Come on, somebody. Don't look at me like I'm talking in another language. And when and you know you need to stop wilding with that person and get out of that thing, but a a a, a stronghold is 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 not you just holding it holding on to you but you holding on to it because you think you need it because of what it is providing in your life as some type of sufficiency of something that you think you're missing from God. And so and so and so for us we talk about these patterns and unchangeable ways of thinking. I think when I think of when we're going through several things in this series but there was the first thing I ended up wanting to do and felt led, strongly led by the Holy Spirit to do this was on the occult and spiritual bondage because strongholds is a spiritual bondage, by the way. It's a spiritual bondage. But number two, the occult is something different. I want to define it for you. They'll put it up on the screen. Occult is a general term 
described in various theories and practices involving a belief in and knowledge or use of supernatural forces or beings. I will call the occult in summary is, and we'll talk about this more and more in the text. I'll talk about this in summary, um, is accessing the spirit realm illegitimately for things to happen in this world. Illegitimate access to the supernatural or the spiritual world. Write this down. For practical needs in your life for others or get somebody else. And we'll talk about all of that as we go through this um, this reality. So what is an occult stronghold? You're going to hear me define so many terms today because I want us to really get this. Is the mindset that Jesus isn't sufficient to fulfill all our spiritual needs and attempting to illegitimately access power from a course or a source rather outside of God. Let me say that again. The mindset that Jesus isn't sufficient to fulfill all our spiritual needs, all of our, all of our needs really, and attempting to illegitimately access power from a source outside of God. And see, um, we don't realize that how much in our world is built around and built into it. And in some ways, the enemy will subtly bring things into your life that you don't even know is connected to the occult, connected to the, the demonic supernatural. And let me say this before we get into this. There's no such thing as dark magic and white magic, right? Both are bad. In God's eyes, it's just demonic, all of it, right? So I have a few points for us today as we dig into this because I'm going to build I want to build this out with us some today because I really want us to recognize the dangers that many of us are in and things that we're getting involved in that we don't recognize is not of the Lord and that we need to engage in fighting and pulling and pushing back against the real reality of the enemy in our lives. Number one, if we are going to break free from strongholds in the area of the occult and fighting uh, spiritual bondage, number one, have to recognize this. Yahweh is the only legitimate power source. <laughs> you should have shouted right there. It should be some clapping of hands lifting right there that he is the only legitimate power source. Let's look at what it says. In this text, he says, when you enter the land, the Lord your God is giving you, do not imitate the detestable customs of the nations. So if you remember correctly, and we understand how things were working back then, Israel was God's inheritance. And God had, based on Deuteronomy 32, 8 and 9, back in Genesis, around Genesis 6 era or whenever, he distributed the nations among the sons of God. So the sons of God can be the invisible leaders, spiritual leaders over those nations who influenced them towards Yahweh. However, Yahweh had, if, well, in this time, Israel will become his inheritance. So that will be the nation that he directly rules as the influence in order to bring all nations back to God. That's one of the big pieces of the story of the Bible. Israel was supposed to represent God's reign in the earth as God rules her from Zion. And as they pour out the gospel, the kingdom mission, the gospel mission into the world, all nations were to come. Israel was supposed to teach them. And everybody was from every nation, tribe and tongue in an earthly, non-eschatological sense was supposed to come to the Lord God. 
However, what ended up happening is that Israel acted a fool, the world acted a fool. However, God kept bringing Israel back to himself. And so when they're going into the land of Canaan, like if, if people don't know and understand that there is a cosmic geography to our world, y'all ain't ready for this. There's a cosmic geography all around us. When you look at Daniel, you hear about the prince of Persia. You hear about in Isaiah, the king of Tyre. Those are spiritual beings that have jurisdiction over different locales across the planet. They're fallen, if you will. And this cosmic geography is set up this way. And what um, the children of Israel was supposed to do, they weren't merely removing the Canaanite peoples. They were really excavating demonic entities out of there by pushing the people who worship them out and establishing Yahweh's presence in the true co the cosmic geography of the land of Judah and particularly Jerusalem. So when he said, when you enter the land, the Lord your God is giving you, do not imitate the detestable customs. In other words, they had customs in the nation. That means God wanted them to be in the world, but not of the world. You ever heard that somewhere? God wanted them to enjoy the world, but he wanted them to enjoy him, each other, and the world on his terms. That's biblical freedom. That's biblical freedom. Enjoy God, enjoy his people, and enjoy the world on his terms. And so, when he says detestable customs, things that have become a part of or are embedded into their culture. And so God wanted to ch challenge them on this. Uh, in other words, it's interesting. The word imitate is an interesting word. It means to gain knowledge and skills, to be trained and gain inf information as as uh, as something that would uh, that, that you would uh, incorporate into your own cultural milieu and lifestyle. In other words, being conformed to the world. That's what it means. So he said, don't imitate them. Don't imitate their customs. Don't do what they do, if you will. In other words, don't let their thinking become your thinking. Stronghold. Don't let their thinking become your thinking. And that's, that's where I get concerned uh, about this generation. Because some of y'all are very, um, y'all are more worldly loving than godly loving. Many of you all, uh, spend a lot of time, uh, 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 what I would say, scolding the church about being the church. Now, there are ways in which the church needs to prove, but some of you all always got an issue with the church. And many of you all's issue with the church isn't rooted in the Bible, isn't rooted in scripture. It's rooted in your personal preferences, not God's biblical principles. And so you're holding the church to standards based on you imitating the world and being conformed to the world versus being conformed to the word. Most of your issues, Next time, let me, let me tell you something. Next time you have an issue with the church or leadership in the church or church globally, I want you to ask yourself in the question, where in the Bible did you get it from? And so what I want us to do is I want us to start, this series is really about you confronting the ways in your thinking that are abhorrent to the ways of the living God so that you can judge things based on right righteousness, not wrongness. So he says, don't imitate them. Don't, 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 don't go after their, it's interesting, their manner, the custom, the manner, uh, 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 of the, the, their, their way that they conduct themselves or, or, or comport oneself, right? This is very, very important. Talks about detestable customs here. And of course, the detestable things God calls abominations, you know, abominations. Let's dig in some more. Look at verse 10. 
And so he begins giving them specifics. He gives them a lot of things as it pertains to going into the new land. But one of the things that God does is he never sends you anywhere that he hasn't prepared you or given you a word to live in light of when you get there. I like that. That's a word for somebody. Look at verse 10. It says, no one among you is to sacrifice his son or daughter in the fire. Practice divination. Tell fortunes, right? Interpret omens and, and, and interpret omens and practice sorcery. Cast spells. Consult mediums or spiritists or inquire of the dead. And so God gives a list. This is by no means an, exalt, an, an exhaustive list. So these lists of things are kind of like a summation. And I'm going to go into some things and bring it up to date for us today. But but one of the things that I want you to begin to wrap your mind around is that there is a lot. The Bible has everything we need to know, but it doesn't tell us everything that we could ever know. But it tells us enough so that we can utilize it in its sufficiency to deal with what we deal with on earth. And so God didn't, God, you know, God doesn't take us on a road into the occult. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but he does give us enough to recognize it and have the tools to fight it. That's very, very important. And so in, in the Bible, um, there was a need to know the will of God on specific occasions. And this was keenly felt, particularly in ancient times. And so the nations around Israel had devised, you know, various magical uh, 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 procedures for finding things out. How do see? They didn't have, you know, the internet. They had Google. <laughs> you know, so 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 you have to understand um, omens and all of these different things in the Bible were just their way of figuring the world out. It was that's why it's called the dark arts, some of it, or the mystic arts. It was ways for them to find things out. The thing is, is the, the, the greatest technology that Israel had was their relationship with God. They didn't realize that, right? But lost people, they utilize all of these different mechanisms as a way to do divination. So he says, no one among you sacrifice children. And that, that's basically using your children as spells and spells. Um, children are a lot of times powerful in spells. I don't want to get into that. We will need to get into that. Uh, but they used to also sacrifice their children. Um, but then they had the children would walk through fire as, as, as a mean. So it was just things that were detestable customs, right? Practice divination is, is basically a diviner, um, a, a means. This is just another, a means to see what the future is, right? Um, they would even use divination for weather. So, you know, I got on my phone. I got the weather app back then. They would go to a soothsayer. He would sniff some stuff and throw some, you know, stuff out and look around and all that kind of crazy stuff. Right. So that's what I'm talking about. They, they would, they would, um, they, they would, um, look at omens and signs and see things that happen in nature and around them or things that happen to someone or an accident as wondering whether or not the gods or the spirits are speaking to them. Right. And so one of the great was several, there's several ways in which these omens work. Number one, position of the stars, speaking to dead spirits. We're going to talk about that in a second. And, and it's, oh man, because you don't know background of many of us in the African-American community, Latino community, who have a lot of superstition about stuff, particularly people from the South, right? Because uh, my family's from the South. And so there's a lot of superstitions around in that. It says examining animal parts and uh, I, I cast lots, all kinds of different things, right? Um, so, so, so this person that is this, that practices divination is is called a, a knower. In other words, it, I like the way this this lexicon puts it. It says the skill of the, the use of magic emphasizes the skill of the knower tampers with areas which God has ruled out of bounds. 
we're gonna come again. I'm building. I want y'all to stay with me. Y'all with me, right? We're gonna because we digging into this thing. Fortune tellers, a soothsayer, someone who makes predictions about the future on magic. They practice sorcery. They tell a lot of this is about telling the future and casting spells and focus on conjuring up the dead, right? We see a bunch of verses on this. Or causes one to appear. Omens. A seeker of omens. Uh, it's a subsidiary of divination. Uh, 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 I, I can go more into that. Practice sorcery. Uh, uh, this is one of the things is sorcery is a big word in the Bible. It's a huge word in the Bible. It's one of the deeds of, of the flesh in Galatians 5.20. Um, and, and, and so uh, uh, it, it, this idea of sorcery is magic and casting spells in order to manipulate the gods or spiritual powers to do what someone wants. Right? And so they want to harness evil sources or spirits to produce unnatural effects in the world. Some of y'all know this stuff as voodoo, Santa Maria, all different types of things. Now, why am I talking about all this stuff? I'm going to take a pause here, right? Why am I talking about? Because I know I'm throwing a lot of terms at y'all. Why am I talking about this? Because many of y'all and you trying to be woke in your blackness, and I'm going to talk about this deeply, how you don't realize that you're going spiritually backwards. You didn't even realize it. You think you're learning more about who you are. I'm getting ahead of myself. But you lear you, you're learning more about who you should be saved from. Somebody ought to hear me right now. Um, so um, it was um, on the 700 Club. It was a woman. She, had, um, she was a Christian. Got disenchanted with Christianity. She ended up going. This thing is crazy. She ended up going... Um, on ghost hunts, she would she became a channeler, all this stuff, channeling spirits, and she ended up going out into um, uh, 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 ghost hunting. You know the ghost hunters that you know be on sci-fi TV. She go out, they had their little instrumentations around, you know, you know, going around and you know the, the little in instrumentations, woo woo, and all of that kind of crazy stuff like that. The Ghostbusters, you know what I'm saying? And they out there, and so she said, she she still she she said the Holy Spirit the whole time was just alarm systems always going off in her, but she ignored it. And she says, one time the spirit's presence was very, very, very thick where she was. And she got scared. And she just said, in the name of Jesus, you are no longer welcomed here. And she just, she ended up leaving. She ended up going home. You know, you had them experiences. You Jesus, then you want, you want to say Jesus then, don't you? Yeah, even if you out there, you don't say you believe. You talk, you, you, you see. I've seen people that's atheists and comedic use the name of Jesus when they run up on something they can't handle. Jesus, Jesus, you, yeah, right. So she goes home. She goes home, and when she goes home, she rededicates her life to the Lord. Starts reading the scriptures, repents. Her and her husband work things out, and um, she got an email, a PDF file, and when she got the PDF file, I mean. The guy said, um, when you did that rebuke, this is what came on. And when she said, in the name of Jesus, you are no, I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. Said, um, you, uh, go away on the thing. Something said, ah, and it faded off. Now, her husband's an engineer. So he went in the computer and said, was this, he said, it's a way, I don't know. He's talking about through wavelengths. You could tell whether something was added or was it a part of the actual something, you know, I don't know. He looked at it and said, this was a part of it. And so showing us that the enemy is real, but God is realer and that you need his presence. 
And we'll talk about some other ones later. And so it says, cast spells, consult a medium, a spiritualist, a choir of the dead. Again, all of this is illegitimate access. Casting spells, a binder and binding, right? <clears throat> a binder and binding also points to curses. Um, when people attempt to pronounce curses on you, that's why you need to be under the blood. See, you need to be under the blood of Christ. Um, so, because the Bible says he, be he, he became a curse for us on the cross. You know, and so and he took on the curses of the law, all the curses on our behalf. And so what God has blessed, the enemy can't curse. However, you can open yourself up to these things. Which I'm just building a foundation. I'm going to get some very practical things. Consult mediums. That person can ask spirit questions like Whoopi Goldberg was up in um, like a channeler up in uh, the movie with Patrick Swayze. I forgot. I was working in the movie theater in the 80s when that thing came out. Um, but, uh, 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 um, um, ghost, that was the name of the movie. And, um, uh, you know, uh, 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 that person can, uh, embody, uh, uh, um, a, a, a spirit of some kind. And we're going to talk about what that is. I hope y'all are checking with me today. Um, and then a spirit is that, that means just knowing things, um, an expert in the arts and inquiring of the dead. That means that person conjures up dead spirits and talks to them and gets information for them from people. We see that in the scriptures. We see an example of it. Um, however, I don't think what we experience today is the same thing. First Samuel 28, 4 through, uh, uh, 4 through 15. I'll read a little bit of it. It says, the Philistines gathered and camped at uh, Sh Shunem. Saul gathered all Israel and they camped at Gilboa. When, when Saul saw the Philistine camp, he was afraid and his heart pounded. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him in dreams or by the Urim or by the prophets. So then, uh, say, uh, Saul then said to his servants, find me a woman who is a medium, crazy, so I can go consult her. <coughs> his, his servants replied, there is a woman in Endor who is a medium? Saul goes there. Saul engages the medium. The medium said, didn't you know Saul kicked all of us out? And then he says, go ahead and get her. Uh, go ahead and do your thing. Who do you want? I want Samuel. Samuel comes up. She's even surprised that he comes up. He gives a railing prophecy against them, but she was necromancing, bringing up the dead, right? That, so, so we know based on the scriptures that it's possible to actually do that. I believe that that one was authorized by God, though, in order to rebuke Saul. But a spirit, many times, and I'll get into it in a second, many times, which we'll see, is called a familiar spirit. This is this very important family that will act like there's someone and will even know information in order to attach itself to you. I'll talk to it about it in a second. And so, <clears throat> well, I'm, I'm here, actually here. And so um, the Bible says, um, talking about um, dealing with familiar, familiar spirits, right? And they're talking about familiar spirits, uh, which which is um, interesting because in Leviticus 19.31, it says, do not turn to mediums or consult, uh, 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 again, familiar spirits or spirits, or you will be defiled by them. I am the Lord. Defiled is a big umbrella. It's a big umbrella. It means that it will cause your fellowship with God to be fractured, not your relationship, but your fellowship to be fractured. But it will also let into your sphere 
all different types of sin let into your sphere, all different types of spirits in your home, in in in, in around you. Because when you do this stuff, you open, you break down the spiritual barriers that God put up and allow around you to protect you, but you end up submitting to them. Um, I had a family member. Um, where's my father? <clears throat> um, and when my mom died, I mean, he grieved hard. When I say hard, he grieved hard. And then he called me and he said, he called me one day. It was maybe a year later. And he said, guess what, son? I said, what? He said, um, your mom visited me. I said, what'd you say? He said, your mom visited me. My dad from South Carolina, you know, my mom from South Carolina, you know, my mom was Gullah. I'll talk about that in a second. Gullah people, Angolian African Muslims who ended up converting to Christianity and having what we call syncretism. We'll talk about that in a second. And so within my dad's kind of African philosophy, <clears throat> passed down generations, a lot of them kind of believe some of the African folklore still. So my... Dad said, my mother, your, your mom showed up. And I said, what happened? He said, the, the bedroom door opened. He said, I felt the wind. She came and laid in the bed with me. He said, I wasn't dreaming, son. And he said, and she told me I'm all right. And I started to cry. And he, I said, how many times this happened? He said, a few nights in a row. I said, dad, stand up where you are. And I want you to begin rebuking the spirit of God, rebuking the enemy. He said, what is, what you mean? I said, that wasn't mom, dad. I said, God doesn't send people back to, to tell us they're all right. The Bible's already written to tell us they are right when they know Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That should make you all right. He said, no, son, I felt it. I felt I, it's like we say in this generation, vibes. I want to talk about that word, too, because we don't know what we're saying. Another family member, <clears throat> whenever I go to their house, I sense a presence in there. I'm just, I'm just, I don't have a Bible verse for it. I'm just saying, I just feel something not right. And I feel like I'm being watched. And um, I talked to the family member and I said, yo, I said, um, man, I, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but when... I'm in this part of the house. I feel a strong presence of evil and that I'm being watched. They said, oh, that's just, um, that's just pop. I said, pop? What you mean, pop? And he said, yeah, <clears throat> I see him and I talk. I mean, I feel his presence. I talk to him all the time. I'm like, what is wrong with y'all? And I started walking them down the biblical grid of how to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. There are very few authorized visitations of dead people on in the Bible, in the Bible, you see Elijah and Elijah visiting by, by let's say you saw the deal with Samuel, right? And then when Jesus died on the cross, the tombs of the saints were opened up and they began to go into the city, right? So it's rare occurrences, but it's not, that's not normal. But those were very, very special systemic kingdom occasions. Those things happen. Listen, if you have anything in your house, you better deal with, that's not mama coming to see you. That's not grandmama coming to see you. That's not your ex-husband. That is a familiar spirit. What the devil will do is the devil will take on the vibes. The enemy will take on the vibes of your dead relative, 
stand in their stead and to get a foothold in your life and a foothold in your home will begin to masquerade himself as an angel of light. Why do you think Paul says he's able to metamorphosize into whatever he wants? That's the point of the text. So that he can get in and he can do stuff in your life. Not just make you, see the easy part is the devil coming in your house and making you scared. <clears throat> the other stuff is when he gets in your finances, when he gets in your marriage, when he gets on your kids, when he gets in your singleness, I mean, when he makes you as a single person feel alone and that nobody's there for you and everybody hates you and the church talks too much about family and marriage and you become bitter and you become angry and you become hateful, that's when he's working in your life. That's what he wants to do. See, I got raised, and see, I, I grew up, you know, I was raised by, again, parents who was raised during the Jim Crow era in the 20s and the 30s. So, they, you know, my parents were raised by former slaves. You know, my great-grandmother was a, a full-blooded Cherokee Indian. She was sitting in the middle of the floor in Indian style. Her mother her mother was of the uh, they of the, uh, her father and the other side was of the Geechee people, which were Angolans and from the uh, folk who came over and were on the islands off the coast of Georgia and off the coast of South Carolina. <clears throat> and I, I can tell you right now that a lot of the folklore of African culture and Indian culture has made its way into black culture and Latino culture. And we don't know how to tell the difference between cultural general enjoyment and what's spiritually off limits. And so mm, syncretism, mm, that's called syncretism. When you don't believe Jesus is enough. And so what you do is you merge two things. Let's, let's, let's go, let's go over here and go, go play with the palm reader, see what they do. You're opening up your door to the spirit world. That's a necromancer. Um, let's go over here and get this Ouija board out. We're going to talk about all that. Um, I'm, I'm just getting started. This is going to be a long one, y'all. And so, and so all, and all of this is very, very dangerous. But syncretism, what is it? It's an amalgamation or attempt to amalgamate, merge, if you will, of different religions, cultures, and schools of thought. Is the diffusion of diverse religious beliefs and practices or spiritual beliefs. I know some of y'all say I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Same thing. <laughs> Instances of religious or spiritual syncretism. And so you'll see that in Judaism, you'll see that in Islam, you'll see it in Christianity, you'll see it happen a lot. Let me give you some examples. <clears throat> and, and they're going to list all of these. It's a lot of them. We're going to list them. And I'll talk a little bit about some of them. And then we're going to talk about how to deal with this stuff. I hope y'all still trekking with me. So it says, examples. Some of you say I'm a Christian, but you burn sage to cleanse the atmosphere. What about shifting the atmosphere through putting on the garment of praise? Like y'all think God don't have everything. Zen houses to set your house up so that your house is set up in a certain way. So that it, Zen, I heard all that stuff. Vibe culture. I'm getting, I'm getting so-and-so vibes from Shorty. That all come from new age thinking. <clears throat> um... Now, now, there's a way to re you can redeem the term vibes, but it's rooted kind of in that whole, I'm getting a vibe from this person. That That's demonic, right? Ancestor worship. You talking to your ancestors, going to the grave, talking to people. Now, I understand therapy, but when you start thinking they're there, it's something wrong. Ancestor worship. Worshiping the ancestors. Why can't I? You can study your ancestry. 
You can appreciate your ancestry, but when you start talking to your ancestors, you're, on, you're doing something else. Racism is syncretism. <laughs> Ethnocentrism, that means exalting your ethnicity above Jesus. Horoscopes, talking about I'm a Libra. You know how Libras are. You know how Gemini are. We split personalities. You know we 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 twins, so we different. And, and living in light of all of that and all of that and all of that mess. New Age philosophy, New Age theophysy. A lot of people don't realize that stuff has gotten in the church with prophecy. With some of the ways people do prophecy is demonic. Some of the ways in which cats um do the name it claim it stuff and they ha <laughs> all that that ain't that's that's something else. Like laughing in the spirit and all that. <laughs> all that. That's that's not the spirit of God, my dude. Like some of the stuff that we deem supernatural is not redeemed supernatural. It's demonic, bro. Like, and y'all, y'all, and some of y'all are so hungry for the supernatural that you'll eat anything. Just as long as it seems to supersede the Bible. So when you talk about the Bible and doctrine and being real, well, I know what the Bible says, but I experienced this. No, your experience don't tell the Bible anything. Your experience can ask the Bible questions, but the Bible should tell your experience and inform your experience. Nation of Islam is a cult. Nation of Islam does perform mystic arts, <clears throat> even though they act like they don't do the spiritual thing. They do Masonic rituals. 5% nation. I am a God. That's it. Calling oneself spiritual and not putting any type of definition on it. Like Paul would never say. Some people you, see y'all out there. Y'all think y'all deep because y'all say I'm not religious. I'm, I'm not. A, I'm not. I don't like to call myself Christian. I just like to say I'm spiritual. What the heck does that mean? What does that even mean? In other words, in other words, that's your little pluralistic way of not trying to offend and give definition to truth that should be in your life. In other words, I don't want anybody to box me in. You ain't got to worry about boxing. Listen, tell me, I don't want to box God in. You, you ain't got to worry about boxing God in. He's omnipresent. So you ain't going to box him in anyway. Somebody ought to hear me today. <clears throat> Some of y'all out here looking at channelers. Y'all going y'all up on some tarot cards? I, the devil is a liar. I leave the room. I don't fool with none of that. All that stuff opens doors. Tarot card. The person out. Come on, let's let's just play. And the dead thing come up with the hatchet. And you standing up there telling us, oh man, that's just a, oh you, you gonna well, you gonna get a man this year. You gonna get a man, come on, dude. Don't get desperate and and lose the place uh, and we're not walk in the greatest place of power that you could ever experience. Some of y'all be on some crystals. Y'all know y'all, what is wrong? What is, help us today. And some of you that's not saved, you can say I'm judging. I have to be hard on this. I'm not going to be nice to you today. I'm not going to be like, well, maybe, you know. No. Run. No. Enneagram is based on the pentagram. The personality thing y'all do, it's based on the pentagram. Do the history on it. That personality test that you guys are doing. And I'm still researching it myself, but it's rooted in the occult. Ouija board. I, I'll never forget, man. I was in school, man. And, um, man, they had to, I didn't know what they were. There was like nine people in my room. We had a small room. And they was going across the little thing and the Ouija board. Was and I went in the room and saw them. I said, I, didn't, I wasn't even a Christian in my first year. And I was like, get out of my room. Because the Ouija board is demonic. And people, there's so many stories online, on YouTube, and all, so many places of people talking about the downward spiral that, in other words, these are opening doors. Why am I talking about this? I'm going to stop here just for a second. 
Why am I talking about all of this? Because when you open these doors, God doesn't want you to engage them. Because when you open these doors, they always come into your life in uncontrollable ways. Because sorcery and all this stuff makes you think you have power. But really, if you're a believer, it's you relinquishing power to give them back power. That Listen, let me tell you the first act of sorcery. Do you know the first act of sorcery? <clears throat> you know the first act of sorcery in the Bible? When the devil came to Adam and Eve, when she pulled the fruit off of there and bit it, that was the first act of sorcery. Do you, do you hear me, family? Because when she ate, it caused something spiritual to happen. And she got more than she bargained for. Adam got more than what they bargained for. That's what the enemy always does. He always overpromises and underdelivers. Always. Masonry in the Eastern Star, demonic. Demonic. I don't have, I'm not going into all of it. The Bible's beside the Quran. You, 32nd degree, 33rd degree, you denounce Jesus and accept Satan. Come on, man. Come on, man. Fraternity and sorority rituals. Now, I won't say all things about fraternity and sororities are demonic. I will say the rituals are, though. And, and, I, and I, I, I'm in a fraternity, so I can say it. Coming uh, the rituals that you do to go online and rituals you do, some rituals that you do to cross. I don't know how, they, how it's been now, but I'm just telling you, there's demonic things about that aspect of it, right? Um, this is, this is, this is something I, I want to lay out here. What you are watching causing demonic oppression, porn, same sex indoctrination. Mm. Everything is trying to indoctrinate us that it's okay for women to be with women and men to be with men. Everything. Even my kids' cartoons. Toxic TV, where you're watching all these toxic uh, reality shows, edutainment, all of it. Some of you are into, quietly, y'all are into perversions. Some of y'all are into child pornography and rape and certain types of violence. I want you to be careful of what you let in. I'm trying to help somebody today. And some of you are curious about the supernatural. You're into aliens. And this is funny. Out of all the people that I know that came out of the occult, a lot of them said their entry, know how they entered into that stuff? They entered in through being curious about aliens and like Bigfoot and all that stuff. You know, Chupacabra and all of these type of creatures and <clears throat> giants and mystical creatures. And they research and all of a sudden, they, next thing you know, they're into astral projection. But you know what ultimately is witchcraft? The Bible says in 1 Samuel 15, 23, that rebellion against God is the spirit of witchcraft. So family, I can go on and on and on with this. But I, I, I want you to be helped. I want you to be helped. I want you to be helped. And so let's look at verse 12. I got a little bit of ways to go with this. I'll be out your way. Everyone does these acts as detestable to the Lord and the Lord your God is driving out the nations before you because of these detestable things. God says the reason why I'm getting rid of them is because of the detestable things that they've done. He said, but you must be blameless before the Lord your God. Next point, renounce and remove everything in your life that you gave the enemy access through. 
Renounce and remove everything in your life that you gave the enemy access through. It says in verse 14, though these nations uh, you are about to drive out, listen to fortune tellers and diviners. The Lord your God has not permitted you to do this. Uh, the word drive out means to vomit. <laughs> I looked that up, I almost ran out the room. He's about to drop. He wants you to vomit out the things in your life. In other words, it means I can't stomach it. He wants you to listen. He wants you to get to the point where you don't like it so that it comes back up. If I give my youngest, if I give my two youngest sons eggs, they will vomit them jaws out. They they hate eggs with everything within them. Um, um, in, other, in other words, it means spiritually you need to vomit out or drive out the distorted things. I'm going to show you how to do it in a second. So what do we need to, do, need to understand to drive it out? The number one thing you need to understand. First off, the Bible says in this section. That, 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 and, and this is my last point. Jesus took back Satan's legal authority in the life of those who trust him. Let me tell you this. <laughs> Number one, Jesus, when he gets uh, is about to go to heaven in his ascension, he says something in, in interesting in the Great Commission. All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Why is that statement important? Because Adam had authority in heaven and in earth. First Adam, when he relinquished his power by eating, it gave Satan access. The incantation gave Satan access. When he ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it was an incantation that opened up the door for Satan to come into his life in an uncontrolled way. And not only his life, but the entire world. And his whole bloodline was cursed. But, 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 but what did Jesus say? Jesus, the Bible says, is the second Adam. In other words, when he got up from the grave with all power in his hands, guess what happened? He became the second Adam. Now all authority that was removed from Adam was now vested in Jesus. But Jesus not only had a, a, a power on earth, he also had power in heaven. Now, what does that do? He gives it to you. He gives it to me to utilize on earth. So first thing you need to know is you got authority through Jesus Christ. You got authority through Jesus Christ. <laughs> Acts chapter 19 verse 11 through, 14, uh, through, through 12 lets us know uh, 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 about this reality as well because what happened was is the people of God when they started when they were in the, people in the Ephesus were into all different types of evil things and they said they were bringing they were divulging their practices and they were burning all of their things there's some things in your house you need to burn I remember I used to watch vampire diaries I used to, I mean, y'all got to understand, I loved Vampire Diaries and the other joint that came with it. Oh, I forgot what, the, what it was. It was several movies that I liked. But then they started getting more and more into the arts and saying all kinds of things. And I just, and I, and I usually, when I, something come on, I don't like, I just say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. But I found myself saying, Jesus, 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 too much while the thing was on. And God was like, why are you even watching it? And when, I'm going to be honest with you, and when I would watch certain things, I would see my kids, they wouldn't even be in the same room or knew I was watching it. When they, they would be afraid to go to bed. And I said, you know what? I know what this is. I've opened some doors in this house and I need to close those doors back up. Some of you need to do that. Renouncing some things. He says, the Lord, your God will raise up for you a prophet like me. For, again, from the nations, I mean, from, from, from among your brothers, rather. You must listen to him. The prophet was like Moses 
ended up ultimately being Jesus, who was not only a prophet, but more than a prophet. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 315, this is what you need to know, is that he will bruise, he will crush his head, but he will bruise his heel. And Jesus Christ became the one who destroyed the works of the enemy. I love the way it says it uh, 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 over in Colossians. I'll read that in a second. But Jesus, the second Adam, becomes the new representation of man. We saw that because he says in Gen Gen John chapter 12, verse 31, I want y'all to write this stuff down. It says, now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world has been cast out. As for me, if I be lifted up I will from the earth, I will draw all men to me. What is he saying? He's saying it actually his death is his exaltation. The ruler of this world being cast out, meaning not that Satan is being cast into the lake of fire now, but his power and authority is being cast out. And, and Jesus not getting Satan's power transferred to him. He's getting the power that God ultimately has for him put on him. Jesus doesn't get any power from Satan. He gets power from God and he gets power from being God. And so because of that reality, that's what happens with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so one of my favorite verses on this is you got to know this. Jesus destroys and disrupts Satan's authority. Colossians 2.15 said he disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them in him. On the cross, Jesus was being a antidote for the satanic work of Satan on the planet. Therefore, he disarmed the ability for Satan's power to work on him and ultimately work on you and me. So how do we apply this sermon? And I'm done. I hope y'all still with me today. <laughs> Number one, I want you to pay attention to any spiritual discomfort you may feel. Always do that. Um, you 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 got to pay attention to it. Pay attention to your surroundings. If you don't feel comfortable, pay attention to that. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. If the Spirit can grieve with groaning, uh, he can he can uh, uh, groan in us that we're children of God. If he can show us that he's grieved, surely he can show us that something's wrong. You let your discernment in. The, and I'm not talking about no incantational discernment and all of that. Satan, where are you? Not like all of that. Oh, that's incantations, right? Listen to kids when they say they're scared. Sometimes when kids are scared, they're not just scared because of what they watch. They may be having a sensitivity to the environment that's going on. <laughs> Pray and fast that God will show you the root of the issue. You got to spend time seeking God about it. You can't just ball up in a knot in your bed and be fearful. I know some of y'all have, have been held down in your bed before. You have been half asleep, half awake, couldn't wake up, couldn't move, couldn't talk. And then you said Jesus and it let you go. Y'all have experienced that. Yeah. Pray over your house. Get you some oil. Go through your house and pronounce the name of Jesus. When you get a new house, go through the house. Pray over your house. You don't know what was in that house before you. You hear me? Now, some people think I'm spooky. I, I'm That's the Pentecostal in me. That's the EBB Yashata in me. That's the all. Uh, listen, because I, I do. I believe in all that. Listen. Uh, listen, what you got to lose? <laughs> what you got? You know what I'm saying? Anyway, uh, pray over your children. Pray over your children. When my kids were in the womb, I prayed over them. Laid my hands on my wife's stomach. I read the book of Matthew to, to Manny all the way through the pregnancy. I just prayed over him. 
I, 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 before they even got here, I knew the enemy was trying to kill. Listen, I know the enemy trying to destroy my legacy before they even come out. I'm putting my hands on my white belly and praying over my children. Hey, help me today, God. <laughs> Find items in your house that may need purging. Acts 19. You got a Ouija board. Get it out. If you got anything demonic, tarot cards, anything that... Uh, 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 Sage that which is used for stuff, incense that's used for stuff. Like I, I don't have no attachments, and I, I just feel like books that don't need get rid of it. Renounce your associations. Renounce it. If you played with a Ouija board in the past, or you open up, you involved in a cult in the past, you need to renounce it in Jesus' mighty name. You need to renounce it in Jesus' mighty name. And as you renounce it, you need to make sure that that you. Close the door and keep the door closed. You need to close the door and keep the door closed. Not only that, um, remove anything in your life associated with the occult. Next, confess sin and repent of the sin. Forgive people. We're going to talk about that. How that's an open door for the enemy. For, uh, forgive people who have hurt you and harmed you. Because many of us, our bitterness has allowed the enemy to have ground for that. Deal with fits of rage. In your life, James 4, 1 through 3. Some of y'all are bitter and don't understand why. It's demonically driven, many of y'all. That's why That's why it says, uh, James talks about in James 3, there's selfish ambition and bitter envy. He calls it demonic and earthly. <laughs> Another one, know that demonic, the demonic manifests in various ways, not just in something walking around your house or a shadow or something like that or a sense of fear. It manifests itself in not, see, usually, see, those are the easy ones. Sometimes the enemy will manifest himself in somebody fine with some somebody with some good legs on them and some good other body parts and some cute faces and stuff. Some fine and all of that. You better, you better, you better learn how to turn the Holy Ghost. Listen, you better learn how to utilize God's spirit in your life. I'm just trying to tell y'all. Use the authority given to us by Jesus. He said he's given us the keys to the kingdom, Right. And know you're not alone in all of this. It's so important. And use Jesus' name regularly, like, like Archangel Michael did in Jude. <laughs> use prayer when a spirit is stubborn. Sometimes you can't just use the name of Jesus in rebuke. Like in Matthew 17, 21, they not only use the name of Jesus, sometimes you got to pray and that helps it happen. Worship. 60, worship Isaiah 61, 3. Isaiah 61, 3. I'm going to close with this by the dark-skinned African church father, Cyril of Alexandria, uh, who lived between 376 AD and 444 AD or BCE. I mean, a CE, right? He says, and they'll put this up, the grace bestowed upon the holy apostles is worthy of all admiration, but the bountifulness of the giver surpasses all praise and admiration. He gives them as I said his own glory. They receive authority over the evil spirits. They reduce to nothing the pride of the devil that was so highly exalted and arrogant. They rendered ineffective or ineffectual the, the demon's uh, wickedness by the might and efficiency of the Holy Spirit, burning them as if they were on fire. They make the devil come forth with groans and weepings, weeping from those whom he possessed. <laughs> Listen, that same power that was in the apostles, that same power that was in the prophets, 
And that same power that's in Jesus, if you know him, is in you. Maybe you're here today and you feel on lockdown. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to put your confidence in Jesus Christ. Trust him as Savior. He'll take you from spiritual death to spiritual life. If you trust in him that he died on the cross for your sins, got up from the grave, you will be saved. Trust him now. Repeat after me, Father, I'm a sinner. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord, that you raised him from the dead. That he died on the cross and you raised him from the dead. I trust him by faith in Jesus' name. Amen. If you believed that prayer, if you believe not that prayer, but in Jesus, through that prayer, you just trusted Jesus. Now I want to pray for my church and anybody out there that's been touched by the occult. Some of you have family members that are acting a fool. Some of them are demon possessed. Some of them are demon oppressed. Some of y'all got friends that are, and all of this is because of open doors. We need to close these doors. And before we do communion, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. And I just pray for the people of God, Lord God. I come against the enemy in their life, Lord God. The Lord Jesus rebuke you in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would bring freedom and release in every area of their life and break the bonds, bands, and shackles that are nurturing and hurting and destroying things in their life, whether it's a daughter, a son that's lost, a mother or a father, a spouse that's lost, a dear friend, Lord God, that's lost, a person according, Lord, give them release, give them peace and give them respite and help your people to walk in the authority that you've given them. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. What a great way to end our time is in communion. Communion is the way that we continue to commemorate the fact that Jesus died and he's coming back to get us. It's about our unity. Communion is. It's about our fellowship with one another. And it's about our, our, um, us being brought into the body of Christ and one with Jesus and one with one another. One with God. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Let's eat together. After the Passover meal and the bitter herbs, he took the cup, said, this is my blood, blood of the new and everlasting covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. Let us drink together. Father God, touch your people. Help them to walk in victory. Help them to not be afraid and that they're not alone. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Take care. Good being with you. Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you. We love you.